Miley. We need some intro music. Ooh. <laughs> I like it, I like it, I like it. Woman, get it. Okay, let's go down that road. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> There's a surprise at every turn. Woman, get it. Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Woman Get In Podcast. My name is Miley, and I'm here with a lovely Peepy, my podcast partner, Mandy. I was in the clinic the other day getting my teeth cleaned, and you walked up to the chair and you were like, My Peepy. And then <laughs> and I was like, really No one. I was like, No one around here knows what you're talking about. This is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep people on their toes. Yeah. That was a fun visit to the clinic. It was, I haven't been in, in a, I mean, I haven't been in a minute since my last cleaning, I'm sure. It was funny. I think, I think I told you, but I was, it was funny because I walked in and I said hi to Wendy and I was like, hi, Wendy. And I was in her office chatting at the front, at the front desk. And then I text Ellen to tell her where I was because I had told her I was like three, four minutes behind. And then Ellen came up and then Tanisha walked by and then who else walked by? Somebody else walked by. Oh, um, I saw Melissa, one of the IT gals. And like, I just saw so many people. They were all like, hi, 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 hi. And then I got to the chair and then Jeannie rolls up and then you rolled up and Sammy rolled up. And it was just like all these people. And like, I don't know any of the current students or residents. I don't even know some of the assistants, but like, you know, probably two thirds of the assistants had come over also at some point. And they were like, hi, 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 Janet and Lisa. And uh, and I was like, all of these residents must be like, who is in the chair out there? Very, very important person, like the president of the United States. Yeah, they're like, is there a celebrity in the clinic? What's Maybe happening so. right now? Oh, sure. No, it was pretty <laughs> awesome. I, like, I, I see you regularly, but I still get excited to see you in the clinic because it's a setting that I don't usually see you in anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, you, you can definitely tell. Uh, if you're new to our podcast, then you can definitely tell just by hearing and seeing everybody at the clinic that Mandy is very loved and uh, just uh, we, we, we think of her often and she's a big part of our team and she, you know, she makes us all so happy and everyone is so happy and excited to see her when, when she does come around. So I hope you know how loved you are. And like one of our past, uh, well, one of our past employees, I guess now she is, uh, at the time she wasn't. She left a little after you, but she said that you are the heart of our clinic. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was cute. I was on my way out and I was chatting with Jessica at the front desk and Tanisha walked by again and she was like, hi. And she stopped to say hi for a second. And she goes, when are you coming back? And I looked at Jessica and like at the same time, we both basically said about six months, probably for my next cleaning. <laughs> Like, yeah. no, I, I won't be returning to work here. I got the impression even from Jeannie, who was like, hmm, you want to come back? <laughs> I'll trade you. <laughs> it wow. was funny. We're so proud of, of you for everything that, you know, that you're doing right now and how happy you are and you deserve all your dreams to come true. So Ellen, Ellen took my blood pressure, you know, very standard at the university takes my blood pressure. She's like 110 over 72. And Jeannie was sitting there and she's like, must be nice. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> they're awesome. All, they're all like, don't take mine. It's like the middle of my work day. No, thanks. <laughs> I love yeah. it. That's amazing. It was uh, funny. I'm happy that you came by and I'm happy that you're cavity free. Yeah, always. You're in South Dakota. I am in South Dakota again, again, for the second time, not halfway there yet. I still got the rest of this week and weeks three and four. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. You haven't gotten out of them yet. No, I haven't been able to I'm still working <laughs> on it. The thing is, I love coming here. It just, is such a big time commitment, right? Like everything, I love everything about it. And I love being here and I love doing it. It's just such a big time commitment in such a small amount of time, like four weeks out of four months um, is just a lot on me. And that's why like no one else can probably handle it or want, would want to handle it. And so I'm, and, and, you know, if it needs to be done, like I'm the person that gets it done. I just, it takes me away from everything else that I need to get done as well, but it's fine. I'm not complaining. I'm really thankful to be here. Um, so yeah, it's just a yeah. lot. No, I totally understand the feeling of dread like you get excited for planning something and then you plan it and then all of a sudden it gets close 
and time to do it. And it's just dread, but then you get there and you're excited. I mean, this is how I feel about, you know, 70% of my social plans. So I'm like, <laughs> like, yeah, I totally want to do that. And then it comes down to the day or the week and I'm like, Oh, I have to do this. But then I get yeah. there and I have a great time and it's all gone. So I always just have to tell myself, it'll be fun when I get there. I like these people. Yeah. And that's why I say like, there's nothing wrong about it. Like everyone is wonderful to work with. Everyone is so grateful for us being here because we, you know, it's, it's been a long time, probably two or three years that we've been, that they've had somebody come to do dentures for the people here in the Lakota, the Lakota people on the reservation. Uh, so I know like it's the great, amazing things, great opportunity that we have, great opportunity to teach our students and residents. And um, it's a beautiful thing. Like I went to, I went through all of the things that I went through to get me here, all the training, all the, the, the long sleepless nights to get the trainings, to have the skills to help people. Uh, so I'm really thankful to be here because these are the people that need it the most. Um, so I'm just being a little selfish and wanting a little bit of my time. <laughs> That's all. I don't think that's very selfish. I think it's fair, but you tend to cram your time pretty full of things. So I get it. I don't know. So I'm trying not to see my, my thing is I'm trying not to cram things into my schedule. I'm trying to have free time to not hmm. do anything, but I don't know. Quit your, quit your job. That worked for me. <laughs> Can your uh, boss hear me right now? <laughs> I know your old boss and my current yeah. boss is in the kitchen cooking dinner, playing, <laughs> dancing to journey. Yeah. And residents and students just left the clinic. I don't know if you guys can hear me, so excuse them, but they're stomping all over the place and they're high on being so tired today. I ran them straight. We traveled for 12 hours straight and then I made them set up the clinic. And so none of us got to unpack until 9 p.m. And then then we had to eat a little bit, shower, you know, and then sleep and then wake up at seven o'clock and they've been working since then. So they're they're hungry and they're eating chili in the kitchen right now. And they're talking about how exciting their whole day has been. So how many, are, how many are you with? I'm part of a team of 12 this time around. So me and 11 other people. So it's like quick showers. If you're all in one place with 12 people, uh, 12 people, we have one, two, three, four, five, six showers. Not too bad. Oh, We're really nice. lucky. The facilities here are amazing. Very nice, comfortable, uh, the warm sheets, warm mobile home. Um, so it's really great. It's great facilities. Uh, it's just, a. Uh, a lot, long, long days here, but it's good. We're, you know, you only got to do it for one, one week at a time. And <laughs> yes, I can do anything for one week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always say I can do anything for an hour or like, I never really put one week on anything, but <laughs> I, sure. One week works. It's one of those mantras. I can't remember who I stole it from. It's, um, it's Glennon Doyle or somebody along those lines that says I can, or Cy Wakeman, or, you know what I mean? It's one of these women that I look up to and get inspiration from, but it's like, I can do anything for 10 minutes or I can do anything for five minutes, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. I like it. It's temporary. Yeah. It's temporary. For sure. And the thing is, it's, Sometimes like just working so hard is rewarding itself, right? Like you're here to do a good job and I want to do a good job. It would suck if I was here, went all this way and there was nothing for me to do. So yeah, yeah we're really happy and I have a great team. It's really great to work with and working hard, pitching in, doing their, their part. So teamwork makes the dream work. Awesome. Well, I'm just out here in Arizona, you know, yeah. enjoying the 70 degree weather today. <laughs> I love it. It's 51 degrees, 49 degrees. Oh, that's not too bad. Snow, a lot of snow has melted. Uh, I was hoping that there would be a lot of snow because uh, we in the in mini car or in minivan number one, uh, we were thinking about tubing and I've never tubed in the snow before. And now there's not very much snow to tube. So I'm kind of sad. Tubing, this is like sledding, but on a tube instead of a sled. Wow. For well, anybody who is tape. not... Anybody who's not native to snow <laughs> might not I've know never, that. I've never done it. I didn't know. I, you know, I've only seen it on TV. So yeah, I'll try to find a pile of snow somewhere and just two, three feet down it or something. <laughs> You're brave. Everybody else, everybody, you guys are in that uh, one van yeah, that's I'm like excited to go tubing. And I'm in the van that's like, no, thank you. Um, how about campfires and hot cocoa? That's my speed. Oh, we're doing that too. We're doing all of the above. I like That's it. me every day. <laughs> That's hilarious. I like it. Um, but I'm glad that you're doing well in Arizona and that you're, you're healthy and happy. 
Yeah, I'm heading off to, I got a last minute invite to a Yelp party today. So I'm wrapping up this and then heading downtown to one of the breweries, a female owned brewery in Phoenix. If anybody's heard of it, Greenwood Brewing. Um, Who knows? Maybe I can get Megan to come on the podcast and chat about her journey to being a female brewer. That sounds good. Or even just the brewing process itself too. You know? Yeah, it's a it's an industry that's, you know, filled with mostly men. So it's really yeah. unique. And she hires all women as a general rule to do her brewing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like it. it's pretty, it's pretty neat. I'm excited to go and see a bit of their process. Oh, I hope you have fun then. Thank you. It was good seeing you this weekend too. Should we tell everybody that we caught up with our girlfriends? Yes, we did. Because we were celebrating Katie Martin's uh, championship for her dance competition and to celebrate her birthday. And so it was really good. I ran in and out, but it was really good to spend a little bit of time with you guys eating the most amazing guacamole I've ever had. Is that, was that seen as guacamole? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had like two bites of guacamole at the end of the night. We ended up being there until 11 something. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it was pretty late. I was surprised. But Tim came home, her husband, with his guests, and then they sat around. And then for some reason, the whiskey and the bourbon came out. So then it was like a few, the other girls didn't want to try it, but I was like, I'm a bourbon fan. So (laughs) then a few of us were tasting like bourbons and whiskeys and Tim started telling stories. And then Tim was asking the girls, the doctors, all the, all the, everyone else was a doctor, but his, his pilot friend that was there, the wife had been in dentistry for like 30 some years, Oh, like dental assisting front office, office manager. So she and I were you know, had war stories on the front office, like (laughs) office manager side. And then the girls were um, telling stories about crazy patients. Oh, how funny. That's awesome. I I mean, like not necessarily like crazy. um, I'm not, you know, being, uh, what's the word? I'm (laughs) not making light of mental illness, but like just patients that make people, patients that drive the doctor crazy. (laughs) Well, that's in, I would say that's in every business sector, right? It's not just patients. It's just in every business sector that involves customer service, there will always be people that drive you crazy and bonkers and like frustrate you and wild requests. And no, I think that's fair game. It's not. Yeah. Or like requests that are like, it's just out of common courtesy. You wouldn't ever ask those questions. Why, what makes you think you can ask some of these questions? And yeah. so, yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh man. Then we got on a whole tangent about how, cause we're all women, like they're all female doctors and they're all boarded in their specialties. And so it went on this rant about how patients assume you're the assistant and they're asking where the doctor is when the women come into the room, when does the doctor get here? And they're like, that's me. I'm the doctor. <laughs> Hello. Very like, hi, it's me. I'm the doctor. It's me. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And just interesting stories. Like Katie was saying a patient wanted to call her Katie and she said, well, no. Like, do you call your male doctors by their first name? Yeah. Great. Then no, it's Dr. Martin. Man. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. And then what happens is like, then we come off as arrogant or we come off as, you know, what the politically correct word for the B word or, you know, like, and, and the thing is male, our male counterparts ask for that and they're not seen as arrogant when yeah. they want to be doctors. So it's still a current issue that women professionals will face. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why I thought it was so great to compare it to, do you ask to call your male doctors by their first name? Because if you don't, then the same courtesy goes here, regardless Mm -hmm. of gender, just call me Mm -hmm. doctor. You see me at the bar on Friday, you can call me Katie. (laughs) But here at work, yes. In this building, I'm your doctor. Thanks, thanks, thanks. I was like, this is great. We should have an episode about this somehow, some way, like just the struggles women face in general. I'm, uh, I'm meeting with some financial advisors tomorrow, and hopefully I will be getting us an episode with female financial advisors soon on the podcast. That's amazing, because I, I for sure am interested in that, and I think a lot of our listeners will be uh, excited for that as well and can probably benefit from it too. Absolutely. Should we tell everybody what we're talking about today? 
today we'll be talking about codependency. That was a good one. It was. I learned a lot and I love chatting about it with you because I myself am someone who is codependent or have experienced and exhibited many codependency uh, characteristics. And I, well, maybe I'll say like I'm a recovering codependent person and I can have those tendencies still, but I think I am learning to overcome and or uh, identify them earlier and then try to overcome them. There you go. <laughs> Just took a little <laughs> to get me there. <laughs> I, it's so common. I mean, I think a lot of us have codependent tendencies uh, either one way or the other. You know, you become, I forget the terms we use now. I'm drawing a blank, but it's like you either, be, it's the giver and the taker, basically. Yeah. Like it's really easy to fall on one side of those and different relationships can bring out different sides of it in you. Yeah. And different, you know, like friendships, really partners and family. Yeah. Situations like you might not have be in a relationship that's codependent, but then a situation might come that then kind of like uh, promote you to start acting a certain way just regarding that specific situation. Yeah. Or person, you might be totally normal in your friendships. And then in romantic relationships, you're somehow, you know, a giver over giving and over functioning. So it's really fascinating. It's really, um, I really like being aware of codependency and how it presents and why it can be detrimental to relationships. Because I think just the more you're able to be aware ahead of time, just be armed with the information, the earlier you're able to see it and nip behaviors like that in the bud so that they don't fester into something bigger and you end up in some sort of four horsemen territory with contempt or something, you know, cause that's so, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I like. So yeah, I hope our listeners really enjoy the episode because I think it's definitely a topic that, uh, many of us face, whether you exhibit some of those tendencies or you are with people in some kind of relationship that can, can exhibit those tendencies as well. Yeah. And how to communicate to them that, you know, Hey, I noticed you're doing this and it would work a lot better if we could go this route. So yes, I agree. I think people will enjoy this. All right, let's get into it. Today we are talking about codependency. Yes, codependency. What a fun word. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a very fascinating word when you learn more about it and you start to see whether or not you display some form of it or you know it well enough so that you start to notice it when you observe other people Mm -hmm. and things like that. But is it really fun? (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's actually really kind of gross feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, I mean, I I've only been familiar with it in the, the recent years. But when you and I talk about it mm-hmm. and you give me examples of what it is or you explain to me what it is or you even notice it in some of my behaviors and my actions. Oh, I see it in everyone. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. So then I'm like, oh, I never really thought about it like that. But oh, you know, like, yeah. it's like so I'm still learning about it and I'm still learning how to uh, observe it or identify it in mm-hmm. my everyday behaviors or in other people's everyday behaviors as well. Sure. So uh Tell us more about what codependency is, Mandy. (laughs) Well, you know, usually in a relationship, which is romantic, family, friends, whatever it is, healthy relationships are mutually beneficial, right? Like love and support from both sides. But codependent relationships become a little more dysfunctional. One side is usually in the role of the giver or sometimes it's a caregiver, but usually one person falls heavily into the giver, all like most of the all time. of the okay. time I was gonna say like there has to be some kind of time component because I wonder mm-hmm. if in a relationship there is a give and a take and everybody plays a, a role in being the giver and the taker at some point but you're saying in a codependent in an unhealthy codependent relationship yeah. there's a, a uh, an imbalance. uneven oh yeah the imbalance of like somebody giving more than most of like more than or most of the time and someone who receives or takes most of the time consistently or yeah okay got it yes exactly so and often those people 
I mean, so like in kind of doing my research and trying to figure out how to specifically say this to people, because while I can see it, I don't always have the best way to describe it or talk about codependency. But Psychology Today is one of the articles I was looking over about codependency. And it's like these people, the givers often present as the very caring, highly functional, very helpful, supportive perpetuating thing but if, like so by falling into this super supportive and quote helpful and giving over functioning is a term that yep, we used mm -hmm. to we use a lot so you tend to just take on the role and kind of do everything for the person whether it's a family member a loved one a like co-worker co your boss because i find that i over function <laughs> a lot at work because yes. i feel i think it's tied to me feeling like I have to prove my worth. Right. So I wonder is that and that is that's the mental yeah. cycle that's happening in, in my brain when I become oh, like codependent. Yes. And it totally is like that's one of the things that you do it in order to gain a sense of value or proof of worthy proof of worthiness or it, it makes you feel needed. It, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So in like the giver often feels the need to feel needed. Yeah. So they give, 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 give to make sure that everyone else around them sort of gets used to it. But and usually those people that are taking it are under functioning. They're mm -hmm. living on the other side. You know, not always the case in, in a healthy relationship. Like if, if it was a healthy relationship, the other person would go, you know, I, I don't need you to do all of that for me. Yeah. I got this. But oftentimes the the givers, the codependents find people that will take overtake yes. yes so it's sort of like our it, it's heavily related to attachment styles so yeah. it's sort of like the anxious will always find the avoidant mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's similar i was gonna say because what happens is i would imagine and i only imagine this because i've probably lived it myself yeah. but when i overfunction, maybe when i find myself in a relationship with for example a coworker that doesn't need me as much I start to wonder, well, maybe I don't bring value to this. So I go and find someone who needs me to <laughs> help them with what they need. And then I feel valued. Then I feel worthy. And then I stick to that person because they need my help. Mm -hmm. But that I can see how unhealthy that is. But I can also see that that is a great example of like subconsciously. I'm, I can't be codependent on this person because they don't need me. They don't need me to do this, 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 or this. So I'll go find someone else. To put your codependence yes. all over? Mm -hmm. Historically, <laughs> yes. I'm trying to be better these days now that I'm more aware. That's a great self-assessment. <laughs> I I first became aware of it when um, I had an ex who was deep into their addictions and substance abuse. Mm. And they went and did a rehab program. And I went to the family week where I spent a whole week in all sorts of different types of basically counseling sessions like big group therapy mm. sessions and learning about all of the realms of addiction and how it messes with family and people close to the addict and I started learning about codependency so when I did started doing Al-Anon work after coming back from that I learned there were also groups for codependents ah. yeah so it's called CODA Codependence Anonymous because oh, like yeah they're they have their own whole 12-step group because and a lot of times this is pattern stuff that started in our childhood like someone in our childhood was under functioning and as children we became over functioning yep. we grew up really fast we had to yep, you know a parent you. yep a parent was unreliable a parent mm -hmm. wasn't around I mean this historically speaking in my family it probably goes back further than I even know hmm. for me I mean I remember 10 years old and going to my brother's parent teacher conferences. Oh my God. Like I was the parent. I would go talk to my brother's teachers about his progress and then work with him to help him if he was struggling in school. But oh. I was the one who communicated. So like I was the parent because my mom one did, couldn't speak English, but two, she had chronic depression. So she was just at home all the time. Yeah. But like when you talk about this, I'm like, I can totally see where my childhood put me in situations that made me or, you know, that, that helped me or not even the word help, but, encouraged your development yeah. in this into, direction into yeah. the direction of codependency yeah and so now that i learn about it and i am trying to be more aware of it i can also see people in like in my job like mm -hmm. in my at my workplace that have those tendencies and i'm and i have to kind of like it's it's i'm like trying to navigate how to help them and also how i don't become dependent on them and or allow them to become dependent on me right so 
usually the best thing to do with if you find yourself we can talk about this a little bit at the end but like you find yourself falling into a codependent role usually it's it becomes uncomfortable at a, at a time you start going why am i doing everything for you mm-hmm. i'm doing everything th- for this person they're not doing anything for themselves they're not helping themselves i'm enabling them to continue say, to be enable. irresponsible destructive unreliable etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. carry on carry on it's like the best thing to do is to remove yourself from the equation and hold them responsible so that they can see the consequences of their inaction, basically. Yeah, you just have to step away from it. But um, I guess, so according to Psychology Today, the term codependency first came about in substance abuse circles and to describe lopsided relationships that kind of became consumed or controlled by one person's one of the party's addictions it kind of became I guess a shorthand for an enabling relationship which we just mentioned enabling and god I felt that so many times I don't Mm. I don't remember being this type of person in my childhood I do remember sort of having not necessarily having to grow up really fast like you just described but definitely learning to be incredibly independent early on Mm. like you know there weren't always adults around who were super safe or reliable or always did the things I needed them to do so learning to rely on myself but there were like there were definitely codependent patterns happening in the adults around me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then I would see it you know scattered throughout the family system and I'm trying to remember if it's something that presented in my early relationships. I know it did in the one, you know, the the addict, the relationship I had with that person because, I mean, it used to make me nuts. Like I started developing all sorts of little controlling behaviors that I was like, what is happening? Like, this isn't me. Like, they're always late. Like, uh, we have a movie at three, right? We want to go see this movie at three o'clock and I know they're going to show up. I'm like, can you just pick me up at... 245 so we have time to drive there get a popcorn and get seats or 230 maybe you know what I mean and they'd show up routinely 15 20 minutes later than agreed upon so it becomes a thing where I then start bumping up the time 20 minutes earlier than necessary so that so that's like manipulation right like Mm -hmm. so then I'm manipulating and I'm doing those are codependent type of behaviors where I'm trying to fix and control a situation through these little manipulations. Mm, fascinating. Yeah. That was the first time when you gave me that example a while back ago. I was like, wow, sometimes I do that. And I don't even realize that I do it because I'm just trying to, in my mind, yeah. try to keep things under control yeah. without causing a, a problem, I guess, mm-hmm. like without causing an argument or like I'm trying like passively. I'm thinking he's always late. So I'll just tell him to come this time. So I know he'll be 15 minutes late after that time, but then we'll be on time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but I, I, I do it so that I don't have to like get into an argument. Or you or, don't feel stressed. Yeah. You mm-hmm. think you're eliminating your yeah. stress mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by doing this. But really, then you're like, you're. I don't know. I feel like you're doing double the work. Like mm. I've already showed up for me. Now I have to show up for you. Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. can see that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we experience childhood traumas and this leads to the anxious or insecure attachment styles in our adult relationships. I, again, I don't remember experiencing a lot of those things as a kid, but I definitely fell into them and they were behaviors that were all around me as an adult. And it was really easy to do once that addictive personality like was super present. Like, And looking back, most of the adult relationships I've had have been with people who have substance abuse big question marks next to them. Yeah. If And some of them, no question mark, like period. But some of them, it's like, ooh, that's interesting. So that's something I am really hypersensitive to these days because while I can have empathy and be forgiving and understanding about people's disease, I don't know that I want to engage in that again because it's really difficult. And I just, and I have just lived it yeah. so many times and I know how the relationship ends. It's not great for me. It causes me a lot of anxiety, causes me a lot of discomfort I guess like unease I don't feel safe in those types of relationships and I don't like being I don't like being codependent I don't like having to give 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 and take care of everybody else sometimes it's all I can do to take care of me yeah exactly and taking care of somebody else too I'm like like if you can't manage to get to work on time or you know wash your laundry like just really basic stuff that it can become really simple to fall into like these ugly 
unhealthy codependent patterns. And it's important for you to know about this so that you can recognize and be more self-aware as well. Because if you are the partner that is exhibiting these these behaviors, like, yeah, maybe you don't know what you don't know, but you should know. And I, again, don't like to say should, but that's why all of this self-work is so important so that you can be more aware of your actions. And again, in a healthy relationship, I don't think in a healthy relationship, both people are always healthy. I think a healthy relationship is where both people are constantly working on themselves and are trying to grow and learn and become more self-aware and help each other and support each other. But you don't fully depend on each other to actually be healthy. You need to depend on yourself to be healthy so that together in the relationship, you can contribute to a healthy relationship. Yeah, I mean... I'm sure there are times in future partnership where I am going to exhibit codependent things. Even though I'm really, really aware of that stuff these days, like there are times when things pop into my head. Like it definitely happened with the last guy here and there, but that's because he was a fucking train wreck. Mm -hmm. So like I definitely took over and just did some things and I was, it was, you know, there's this dynamic. Oh my gosh, I wish I could remember. So I'm seeing a lot of it on um, the internet today where it's just like, everyone's talking about the mental load that women carry in standard like hetero Mm -hmm. relationships where it's like she's handling all the scheduling of everyone's doctor's appointments all the getting the kids to school all of the meals all of the grocery shopping all of the housework and holding down her own job while Mm -hmm. meanwhile dad goes to work and comes home and pretty much just enjoys the benefits of everything that she is doing and again I'm speaking heteronormatively But it's that mental load. And I think that that's the caregiver, the giver type that Mm -hmm. tends to fall very heavily on. Givers tend to be overly responsible. We're raising our hands. (laughs) We make excuses for the takers. Um, We take over their obligations. As givers, we can become self-critical, perfectionistic, which was definitely, I mean, a theme in a lot of my life. I will also raise my hand for that. I'm trying to, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Yeah. You know, I'm always trying to, I'm practicing grace because I know I'm not perfect and I actually enjoy not being perfect. It's way I, more fun to be messy. Is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and and I think it's it's me. Like, it, again, but it's taken a long road to get to a place where you can say, I'm not perfect and I don't want to be perfect and I don't feel the need to feel perfect anymore. And so right. hopefully when you start to develop some of that self-talk, you can also... Uh, help yourself from feeling these or exhibiting these codependent behaviors you start mm-hmm. to recognize them a little bit more and say like, you know what I don't need to overfunction because I don't need to I don't feel the pressure to be perfect yeah I mean if you find yourself focusing so much on pleasing other mm-hmm. people and doing things for them that you neglect your own wants and needs this is a sign of codependency Um, A lot of times givers generally have a low, this is just per psychology today, generally have a lower self-esteem, find it hard to set boundaries, be assertive, struggle with asking for help. That was me like, oh my God, I was, I don't even want to tell you how old I was like until I learned to ask, like until I learned that I could ask people for help because that was something that I really didn't have growing up. Like there was never an adult around me who was like, let me know if you need me. Yeah. What the fuck? I don't even know what I would do if an adult said that to me as a child. Like I would I'd be like, I don't I don't understand. What? What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How? Why would I need you? Yeah. (laughs) Like that's this by myself. Like I can only do this. I can only rely on myself. Yeah, I can do it. I don't need anyone's help. Like I was I pre getting like it to a more healthy mental place. I would say things like, yeah, I'm dependent probably to a fault before I even understood the psychology and things behind it I was like oh I'm definitely like I'm super independent probably to a fault did I say dependent or independent regardless I'm independent and probably to a fault like and now I understand why like looking at yeah. childhood like childhood family patterns family systems how I was raised etc cetera, etc cetera. one of the signs that the Gottmans talk about yeah. in recognizing if you are in a codependent relationship is if you're unable to make decisions without input from a specific person like that you have a codependent relationship with. And so it sounds like exactly what you were saying about how oftentimes you're unable to make these decisions because you have low self-esteem or you're uncertain about 
yourself and your ability to make decisions or you might be afraid that the other person is going to be mad at you or upset at you or have a different opinion or not approve of you. Right? I was just going to say, is there there must be some fear of mm-hmm. disapproval. Yeah. And I was thinking uh, growing up, I demonstrated this sign a lot with my mom. And in some t- like in some cases, I still do because I can only be self-aware so much and change my behavior into healthier behaviors. But I can't just sit her down and teach her how to not be codependent on. Right. So there are ways that I probably am behaving that could be considered manipulative. But I am now a little bit as an adult, a little bit more mindful of being able to make decisions with or without her input and Mm -hmm. knowing that even if she disapproves, life still goes on. Yeah. Right. Because when I was younger, I would think that if I didn't do exactly what my mom mm. said or did not do what she said, me like told me not to do, or if I didn't do things that she approved of, then I was like this horrible child or mm. I would lose my mom or I would be disowned from the family and things like that. Like there was a lot of fear in in making decisions without her input or her approval. But now as an adult and being more mindful of myself, my behavior, my thoughts, my actions, uh, the outcome of me making a decision without her. Uh, I mean, it's it's empowering, mm-hmm. but there's still sometimes that voice inside of my head. I'm like, what would my mom think if I, you know, you know, <laughs> it's still going to be there, I think. And it's yeah. going to be a constant like when you are a recovering codependent. Mm-hmm. Let me let me just coin that term, I guess. <laughs> there um, are free 12 step <laughs> groups ha- happening. <laughs> but that's one sign that the Gottmans are talking about that kind of falls into into line with what you were saying about the self-esteem yeah. and uh, being able to make decisions without someone or needing to make it with someone. And that is a sign of codependency. I cannot recall a time where I ever was dependent on someone else helping me make decisions. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things I just don't care about. So I'm like, whatever. Pick yeah. one. Who cares? I would say that sometimes, <laughs> it, and I'm not... I'm not saying this is a bad thing about culture, but many cultures are very communal Mm -hmm. and many decisions are made as a family. So I can see how something like that could grow into and turn into a codependent relationship. Yeah. Because I've heard of some situations where like when your whole family makes decisions with you or for you and then as a child and then when you become an adult, you have no idea how to make decisions because you've always made decisions with your whole family. So some cultures I've yes. heard has has that kind of communal factor That's or, fair. you know, but but the key is as you transition from childhood to adulthood, hopefully it doesn't turn into a codependent situation. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. I don't know how you get out of that cultural cycle, but I imagine maybe it works for them or historically it had worked. But if it's if it's not working for you and it's feeling like a burden and gross and like you're not able to be your authentic self, then that's a sign that you may need to take a step yeah. back. Um, Want to tell us the next ah, the yes. thing from the Gottmans? Uh, the Gottmans shared four signs of codependent relationships. The second sign they talked about was you do everything together. Now, oh. sometimes this can be a... Uh, Wait, like, have we all known those couples? <laughs> yes. I'm like, you go to the grocery store together? <laughs> like, I mean, I guess sometimes. Personally, I just hate grocery shopping. So like if I'm going to go, I want to go alone because I want to go really fucking fast. Yeah. I've had uh, boyfriends before where they don't... We don't like to go grocery shopping together because I like to take my time. <laughs> and my guy usually will want to go in and out. So I'm like, I'll go to the grocery store by myself. I hate <laughs> I don't want you to go t- with me. <laughs> That's so funny. I like write my list in the order of the store so that I can walk through and get everything I need as fast as humanly. Sometimes I time myself. Oh, wow. Anyways. That's impressive. I know. Uh, but, I, you know, I think back to sometimes... Have you ever had that friend who won't do something unless you do it with them? Oh, yes. That, I'm thinking that might be an like example. Like a person who really, like, oh, I really want to take this paint class. Like, would you do it with me? Like, I'm so excited. Yeah. I really want to go, really want to go. And then you're like, can you go with me? And you're like, oh, I can't. I have this yeah. going on. They're like, okay, maybe next time. Yeah, and then they don't even end up like, going. Well, and why like, don't you go? Yeah, exactly. Go. But that, I think, okay, so growing up, I, I had a few friends like that. Okay. And... I would start to feel bad that I couldn't go with them. But then I realized, no, dude, like if you want to go, you should go. And I end up having to encourage them to go by themselves. But I would say that I think that if I could come up with an example, that would be an example of like um, a a relationship where 
somebody wants to do something or they can't do it without somebody else. But I don't know if it's because they're codependent on you or they may have other underlying fears such as doing new things by themselves. I mean, that yeah. was something I had to overcome because I didn't want to do things uh, alone. Like it didn't matter if it was like with a specific person, but sometimes there were things where I was like, it's strangers. I don't mm-hmm. want to put myself in an unsafe, like unsafe situation. And so I want to do it with someone in case something happens. So I do it with anyone just like, you know, so it wasn't like a codependent on a particular person, but just codependent and to making sure. That's not codependent. <laughs> That's not like you're talking about hiking a mountain. Well, I don't know. I, I was just talking out loud about what. Like, if it's a matter of literal safety, <laughs> it's not codependent. Like if you're hiking, hum, yeah. what's the hum- Humphreys? Humphreys? Yes. If you're, if oh, you're no, some, I did it by myself. I know, but there was lots of other people there and you probably shouldn't have done it alone. <laughs> I should have done it by myself. But like there are certain things where you having another person yeah. around is just plain safety. Yeah. And then there are times where it's like there's a couple or a friend yeah. or someone who literally doesn't do anything without their person. And like fine like I don't know I see I've seen it and I'm icked out by it I'm like like, that's not the kind of person I go on vacation with if they can't go on a vacation without their other person I'm the person in the relationship who's like oh my god please leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) can I can I so I don't know if it's bad (laughs) I just need some alone time I'm like dude can can I just have a fucking day can I have three days I'm gonna go to Hawaii I'll see you in 10 (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? I just, sometimes I'm like, I don't, I, I just, I do not have this particular codependent characteristic. So I think it's, it, I mean, we're not saying that you have to do everything. I'll put my shoes in person. I'm like, you want to go? No, not ready. Okay. See you later. (laughs) You should have a healthy level of things that you do together and things you do separately. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Yeah. So I think if you have lost, you have to do everything all the time together. Yes. If you have lost all autonomy for yourself, like for yourself, like if you don't have your own individual habits and friends and gatherings that you do outside of the couplehood, yeah. what are you going to talk about when you're together? Like, I need to go off and bullshit yeah. with Shireen. I need to go and hang out with you. I need to go hang out with former coworkers yeah. and friends in the food biz and Josh and like all these people so that I have something that I can cut. Like I'm growing every mm-hmm. time I'm out there with my friends mm-hmm. away from my par- partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I have something to talk about yeah. when I come back to you. I, I would say that if you start to notice that you don't have friends that you're going out regularly with, that might be a sign that you might be coming de- in, like, dependent on a relationship, yes, a partner. Yeah. Right. And so look for signs for yourself, but also look for signs in other, you know, in the partners that you, you are with. Like if they're not going out to hang out with their friends, like do they have friends? <laughs> do they have other hobbies or are they always tagging along with you? Or are you always tagging along with someone because you're afraid to branch out? Be mindful. Yes, indeed. And in the beginning, it's really easy in the beginning of relationships to just want to always be with that person. And I Mm -hmm. don't mean to put any fault or bad light on that that early bird, love love bug, lovey-dovey, whatever all that stuff is. But just try to be really mindful in those beginning stages, not to lose track of the things that have always been important to you prior to having this partner and maintain those friendships. Yeah, because they're going to help you, you know, balance out the stuff that comes up in your relationship. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to talk to your partner no. about when they're annoying you. But also it's it's good to have different types of relationships in your life. The third sign from the Gottmans is that you're afraid to say no to your partner. Hmm. And it might be a variety of reasons that you say no to your partner, whether it's a fear of rejection or that you feel that if you don't comply with what they want, you will lose their love or admiration. Or sometimes you might be afraid to say no because you're afraid of possible physical or emotional abuse. There's a lot of different reasons why you might be afraid to say no, but if you're starting to get those feelings of discomfort or anxiety. Or uh, this article phrases it as walking on eggshells. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. To avoid conflict. Oh, totally my relationship with Beavis. <laughs> I was always on eggshells with him. But it was because he, he was an asshole. Had a, well, <laughs> he had a negative response to a lot of things. So I was always afraid that he'd be upset at me for something or yeah. like probably not approve of what I wanted to do or any of the ideas that I had. I mean, it was pretty rare that that anything you asked for, wanted, or expressed was met with, that's great. 
Yeah, that was rare. Actually. I mean, he just didn't like, like you. One time I like I put my arms up because I wanted to hug him goodbye. And he looked at me weird. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I wanted a hug goodbye. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, this is so like, what? Ugh. Okay, moving on. Every time we talk about this fuckhead, I just I'm get so, so annoyed with I him. I don't mean to talk about him, but he just has great examples. He's so good when we we're talk talking about. about fucked up relationship it's, dynamics. It's so weird because this was only two years ago. And yeah. it's amazing how... Wow. In the moment, it feels I didn't so long ago. Recognize any of this, and now I look back and I'm like, wow. I feel so bad for that version of Miley. Yeah, did you forgive her? Yes, I think so. I'm working on that it. It was like, a pretty quick was, yes for you. I mean, I think so. Like logically, yes, because mm-hmm. she didn't know mm-hmm. what was happening. I feel bad for her. Well, like I feel bad that she didn't know. You know what I mean? Like I wish yeah. I could like hugger and you feel sad for yeah, her sad yeah that's better oh that's better thank you yeah i feel sad like i feel like man i i wish I she was wasn't a victim be there for her to tell her like you didn't deserve to feel these things and like when you were feeling uncomfortable that was valid that you know like other people in your shoes would feel the same way right because in the moment i felt that like oh like i was the one wrong for feeling the way i was feeling mm-hmm and now you can go, you know, you didn't know. Yeah. That's the point of us learning now. Yeah. Now we know better and we won't make those choices again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Terrible, terrible yeah, people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sign number four is you feel responsible for their actions. So you may make excuses yes. for their actions or their behavior. You feel guilty or shame for their lack of action or maybe bad behavior. That's probably the most prevalent mm. sign in my last relationship. Oh. Yeah. Do you have any specific examples? I probably, I don't think I ever took blame. I never took any responsibility for him, but I definitely, I I think I accepted his excuses mm. and I, I happily handed them out when people would question me. Oh, okay. I would just regurgitate his bullshit. Mm. And then I'd kind of shrug my shoulders and go, I don't know. <laughs> like, this is the nonsense he tells me. This is the nonsense I tell you. Ah, yes. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's probably the the one I can, I see that I did in the last relationship. Did I buy any of it? No. <laughs> I don't know if anybody around me did either. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's why you're not with him anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I will say that another article from the Gottmans did say that, remember, and you and I say this in many, many episodes before, but it, we talk about how like, no one person can provide everything right. for a partner. And that's why, again, there's going to, in my mind, there's going to be a dance between giving and taking. And that healthy balance is what you both want to be working towards, whether mm-hmm. it's a romantic partnership, a work partnership, a family relationship. It's not every, like not one person can give you everything, but you want to be striving to find that healthy balance between giving and taking. Yeah. You should have some autonomy for yourself. You should want to have autonomy. Yeah. I think. Like sort of break free of these mm-hmm. chains and let go of these things that are, I mean, they're physically, literally, emotionally, mentally, they are just holding you back. And so that's kind of like some of the overcome the codependency steps. It's like initially, first off, you just need to become self-aware, like learn about codependency. There's lots of good books. There's a, I have a great book called Codependent No More by Melanie Beattie. She's wonderful. Um, She just passed away, I think. Uh, Or was it her? Was it? Oh, no, it might have been Louise Hayes, another author I'm interested in. I enjoy, but um, self-awareness, like taking a look at your behaviors, finding out how you actually feel without considering someone else's feelings first. Maybe jump into some therapy, have a therapist or a counselor help you through it. Tell them, you know, kind of give them some background. Let them walk you through what a day in the life is like and how, you know, find out if you are actually codependent and just starting some separation. I will say, if I may, one other article that I read from the Gottmans about codependency is about what healthy dependency is, right? So this is codependency that can be a negative or a, you know, a a not so healthy thing. Right. But there is healthy dependency. One example of that I will say is my relationship with Mandy or Katie Martin. Whenever I have a bad day or Mm. I've been like, I'm, I'm upset about a boy. Like I have to, I can't just expect Mandy or Katie to reach out to me and like be there for me. 
I have to take it upon myself to say, hey, Mm. Mandy, I'm struggling right now. Do you have time to chat with me? And I don't need you to solve my problems. I just need someone to listen to me. And I'm depending on them to just be there for me, but not necessarily be there to approve what I'm going through, but it's really just depending on them as a friend, right? So there is a a certain type of like healthy dependence. So I think when you're learning about codependency, one way to learn about how to overcome codependency is learning about what healthy dependency looks like. And that could be exhibited through a lot of different examples throughout your life in any kind of relationship. Uh, But that's one example of like turning toward someone when, you know, you can't expect someone to be there for you if, you know, you can't expect them to know what you need all the time. This goes back to asking for help. Asking for help and, and, and again, knowing that if, if they say no, it's okay, right? Because if they're afraid to tell you, no, they can't help you, that's a form of codependency. But knowing that they can say no to you, you can then, you know, soothe yourself, go somewhere else, go find someone else that can help you and provide you that help that you're, you're needing. But again, asking for help and not expecting someone to know what you need is really important. And you don't have to struggle with any of this to the point where your life falls apart. So like, just again, take a look inward. Codependency comes in a lot of ways, lots of levels of intensity. It's, it leads to an unhealthy relationship dynamic unless the other person is just, I can't even imagine, some sort of angel who recognizes it and yet tolerates it and constantly steers you away from the behavior. But you really don't want to put all that on your person. So get healthy, turn some attention inward, maybe take some separation steps from the person who is taking, taking, taking while you're giving, giving, giving. Um, Stand up for yourself, say no, you know, again, a support group or individual therapy and counseling sessions. Uh, Even if you're just you know, even if you're just starting to notice these signs early on, like tackling it before it comes a really ingrained pattern is, is so beneficial. I love all those tips. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for doing this episode with me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I like talking. Well, not that I like talking about myself, but I like (laughs) talking about like my behaviors and learning more about myself because I feel like the more aware I become, the better friend I can be, the better coworker I can be, the better daughter, sister, partner mm-hmm. I could be. And so I I hope our listeners enjoy learning about this stuff just as much as we'd like to learn and talk about it. I'm so happy to have a healthy dependency with you. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you so much, Mandy. And thank you, everyone, for being with us. Love you. Love you, too. And as a final note, if you would be so kind to give us a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it is truly helpful to our little show. And if you found this episode helpful to you, please share it on social media or with a loved one. You can find and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Woman Get In. And you can find me, Miley, at Dr. Smiley Miley. And I, Mandy, am at MandyPants15 on Instagram. Thanks so much, friends. We'll see you next week. Thank you.